0: Welcome to Supernatural Podcast, episode number 64, for the episode Wishful Thinking. The episode was written by Ben Edland, directed by Robert Singer, and originally aired in the US on November 6, 2008. Let's jump into the recap, followed by discussion with guest hosts Kristen and Samantha.
1: This is Kristen. This is Samantha.
2: And we're here doing the recap and discussion again. Um, please leave feedback on the website. The website URL is supernaturalpodcast.blogspot.com. Here's the recap for Season 4, Episode 8, Wishful Thinking. The episode begins with a woman in the shower. Someone appears outside the shower door, but he disappears into thin air when she turns around. Footprints appear on the floor, but no body is attached to them. After calling out asking if anyone is there, the woman decides she was imagining things and takes off the towel drying her hair. She throws it towards a hook, but it lands on the invisible boy's head. The woman screams.
1: At a restaurant while Dean's downing shots, Sam questions him about why Uriel would tell Sam to ask Dean about hell. Sam doesn't believe that Dean doesn't remember a thing from his time down under. After being distracted by the overly cheerful waiter... The subject drops, and Dean asks what new case they should be working on now. Sam finds a possible vengeful spirit haunting the showers of a woman's locker room. Dean is very excited. He says, Women, showers, we've got to save these
2: people. Dean drops Sam off at a Chinese restaurant to interview the woman who had the ghost encounter in the locker room. Sam says he's doing the interview for a book he's writing called Supernatural. The woman said the ghost knew her name. She was so freaked out that she ran, and then tripped down the stairs. The weirdest part is that the ghost helped her up at the bottom of the stairs and kept saying, Please don't tell my mom. It doesn't sound like the typical vengeful spirit to Sam.
1: Sam meets up with Dean, and Dean tells him that he didn't find any EMF in the shower. Dean's disappointed that he didn't get to say of naked women. The boys notice the town sheriff talking to a local about a big footprint. The man is convinced... There is a Bigfoot running around the town's woods. The boys check it out and discover an abnormally large footprint. They follow the bridge near the footprint and come across a convenience store with the back door broken in and the footprints leading up to it. The creature left a path of destruction in the store, especially in the liquor section. Dean says, Amaretto and Irish cream? He's a girl drink drunk. Sam finds a tuft of brown fur on the cleared out porn section. Dean wonders what the hell's going on in this town. The boys sit down outside the liquor store and try to
2: figure this case out. Sam thinks it's got to be a joke. Dean thinks it might be Bigfoot, kind of like a deep woods me. A girl rides by on her bike and drops a busty Asian beauty magazine out of her basket. The boys decide to follow her back across the bridge to see what she's up to.
1: Boys visit the girl's house. Dean asks if she's seen a tall, furry but she cuts him off before he can finish the description. She says it's her teddy bear, and she thinks he's sick. Dean says they're teddy bear doctors. So the girl takes him up to visit her teddy, and he's life-sized and chugging alcohol. The little girl, Audrey, said all
2: she ever wanted was a life-sized teddy bear, but he's sick in the head. Audrey says she wished for her teddy bear to become real at the wishing well. The bear has become disillusioned with the world and says he should not exist on this earth to play tea party. Sam has a sidebar with Dean, and they agree that they can't really kill the bear. They don't want a flaming teddy on their hands. They get Audrey to agree to stay with a neighbor, since her teddy bear is sick with a
1: very contagious lollipop disease, and she tells them where the wishing well is. The boys visit the wishing well. Dean decides to test it to make sure that it works. Immediately after he makes his wish, a sandwich guy enters the shop. He believes that the well must work because his wish was very specific. They also have evidence of other extraordinary things happening in the town, like a man winning the lottery and a geeky guy getting a hot girl. The boys shut the restaurant down under the cover of being health inspectors in order to check out the wishing well more thoroughly. While the boys
2: are investigating the well, Dean asks Sam what he'd wish for. Dean thought Sam would wish to go back before everything happened and he could be some big lawyer with a white picket fence, but Sam says it's too late to go back to their old lives. Sam says he'd wish for Lilith's head on a plate. Bloody. Dean notices a coin unlike the others in the well. It's stuck to the bottom and he can't get it off, even with a crowbar and hammer. Dean thinks it's hoodoo that's protecting the well. Sam makes a rubbing of the coin and gives it to Dean. He runs off saying something just occurred to him.
1: Back in the women's locker room, Sam catches the invisible boy red-handed and gives him a warning. Meanwhile, Dean sees the boy who is being chased at the beginning of the episode, chasing the pack of boys who are tormenting him. The boy stops and says to Dean, "'You got a problem, mister?' Dean looks surprised. His stomach begins to growl.
2: Sam gets back to the hotel room and hears Dean throwing up in the bathroom. Dean says, "'The wishes turned bad, Sam. The wishes turned very bad.'" Dean researched the coin. It's Babylonian, and it's cursed. Whoever tossed the coin in the well in the first place grants a wish for himself and everyone after him. But the wishes have a dark side. You don't get exactly what you want. They've got to find the first wisher. They're the only person who can pull the coin out of the well.
1: Meanwhile, the teddy bear is at his wit's end. He puts a gun to his head and pulls the trigger. Stuffing explodes out of the back of his head. But he still is alive And we can hear him yell Why? Back in the
2: hotel, Dean is having a dream about hell Flashes of red light and screaming is all we hear and see But apparently he was tossing in his sleep Sam yells for him to wake up Dean immediately goes for the alcohol upon waking up Sam knows something is going on And accuses Dean of remembering hell Sam says, I wish you would just talk to me Dean retorts, be careful what you wish for The subject is dropped once again when Dean finds the engagement announcement for the geek guy in the newspaper. Looks like he was one of the first ones to make a wish.
1: In the geek guy's house, he asks his lover, Hope, if she is happy. He seems to feel guilty that he wished love on her because he knows she's not acting of her own free will. The doorbell rings, and it's Sam and Dean. They see that he is a coin collector, and they grill him about the wishing coin. The boys tell the geek guy whose name is Wes, that they know all about his wish, and that he should just cooperate. They tell him that he's got to take his wish back, and he refuses. Dean shows his gun, and that gets Wes to come with them.
2: Wes doesn't understand why his wish coming true is a bad thing. Sam and Dean explain that his wish will go south. Dean says it takes your heart's desires and twists it back on you. While the boys are trying to give Wes the life's not fair speech, They come across the boy who threatened Dean earlier. Dean tells Sam to take the car and go ahead with Wes while he sorts things out with Todd.
1: Todd is terrorizing his former bullies. He must have wished for super strength because now the bullies are afraid of him and he pushed over a car that they were inside to scare them. Dean tries to get through to Todd. He says, with great power comes great responsibility and Todd punches him across the parking lot. Back with Sam and Wes,
2: Wes is trying to sort out why people can't just get what they want. Sam tries to talk some sense into him, but he is struck by lightning and falls to the ground. Wes goes inside the restaurant and finds Hope near the wishing well. She says she doesn't want him to wish away their love. Wes assures her that it will be okay, and he picks the coin up from the bottom of the well.
1: Immediately, the spell is broken. Sam is no longer struck dead by lightning. Todd is no longer strangling Dean. And hope no longer loves Wes. Wes gives the coin to Sam and walks away. Everything in the town is back to normal.
2: Sam melted down the coin so it won't cause any more problems. Dean tells Sam that he was right, that he shouldn't have lied to Sam. He remembers everything that happened to him in hell. Sam urges Dean to tell him about it, but Dean says, No, I won't lie about it, but I'm not going to talk about it. Dean says there is no forgetting, there is no making it better. It is in his mind forever, and Sam wouldn't understand, and he could never make
3: him understand.
2: Now, on to the discussion section of the podcast. Overall, I would give this episode probably a B. I liked it, but. And the episode was funny, but there were little touches, and it wasn't like overall hilarity, like Tall Tales, Hell House, Bad Day at Black Rock. I like Ben Edlin's writing. But sometimes it kind of pushes the plot of the episode into the background. I didn't think the legend was clearly defined. I also didn't understand what this episode was supposed to clarify about the boys. The episodes are always about the legend, but then they usually say something about the familial relationship or what
1: the boys are going through at the time. He had a little bit there where they were... Talking about, you know, be careful what you wish for. But, right. Yeah, right. Overall, um, it seemed just to kind of be a a random episode that just sort of popped in to say hello and then wouldn't get off your couch. So what would you give it? I'd probably go for that B as well. Um, I thought the teddy bear sort of thing was crazy and yet adorable. Um, but you're right. This I like um, episodes that have a lot of lore-backing them, or um, some sort of myth arc. But this episode kind of was just out there for me. I I really like standalone episodes. Those are my
2: favorite kind. But this one was very slow to start. I mean, It, it even had a section where the boys sit on a park bench and try to decide what's going on. And then they're like, this has got to be a joke.
1: But of course, with Ben Edmund, you never know what you're going to get.
2: Yeah. And I, I liked it, but... It wasn't one of my favorites. I agree. I thought the episode lacked some focus overall. Yes. Um, but I did like a lot of things about it. Um, I liked the guy with the flair at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, the overly cheerful it. waiter. I Ready can... for some dessert, guys? Uh. I could see myself doing that someday. Just, you just get so into that horrible job. You just you gotta love it. <laughs> And I heard that was a reference to Office Space. Yes, it is. Uh, Jennifer Aniston's character works at some restaurant, and she gets in trouble several times because she doesn't have enough flair on her outfit. And we sort of touched on this, but along with that guy with the flair, I liked seeing Sam and Dean at a real restaurant. I know, with real waiters, not just some like hole-in-the-wall, greasy spoon. It looked like they were like a TGI Fridays or like a Chili's, and like. Yes! Yeah. I love that. I want to see them do more normal, suburban sort of things. Yeah. Yeah, let's go out tonight. Let's go to Applebee's. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. Let's
2: do it. Well, I mean, it's great when the boys are in normal situations because they're so not normal that it just, it's funny. Their reactions to the sort of normal things, like waiters keeping coming back, asking if they want dessert, asking if they want seconds, stuff like that. Beans just like, dude... Give us the check (laughs) Um I loved Dean's wish for a sandwich That was great (laughs) In the middle of a Chinese restaurant
1: That's just so typical Poor Jensen has to eat all the time on the show The teddy bear I loved the teddy bear I mentioned that sort of earlier But oh my god I love the teddy bear Everything that I heard about this episode Before it aired was there
2: was going to be A huge life-size teddy bear that's what Ben Edlund wanted to get done. <laughs> at the um, March convention in L.A., 2008, which I was at, because um, I'm a nerd like that, uh, Eric Kirkke was talking about the, rest, the last four episodes for the season that were going to air, and he was saying Ben Edlund pit- pitched this wishing episode idea, and... There's going to be a life-size teddy bear. And I was like, oh my god, I have to see this episode. It was just the best teaser.
1: And then they they came through. I thought that teddy bear was just... Hilarious. What? A, hilarious. You're right. It was just completely out of left field. This huge walking-talking teddy bear who's depressed and <clears throat> drinks and smokes and just... Looks at porn, you're right. He uh-huh. just, like, screams at people. That was great. I want one. Can I have one? Uh-huh. I don't know
2: walking talking teddy bear. I love that he tried to kill himself. And this, the, the stuffing popped out. I know. For some reason, I was expecting the blood splatter. Me too. They always, and then the stuffing was just
1: hilarious. they did that, like, pull-back thing where they always... Like, they do that when people, sh- like, shoot themselves in the head because you can't really show that on TV. and They pull back. And I'm expecting the normal blood spatter. I'm not really paying attention. And then... poof (laughs) Fluffing! It's probably
2: one of the highlights for the episode for me. Mm -hmm. I also liked the geek guy, Wes. He was very endearing. You wanted him to succeed with hope, even though she was a crazy person. Like, after he pulls the coin out of the well, and she just looks at him, and she's like, do I know you? He doesn't say anything. You're like... Introduce yourself,
1: man! You have an opportunity. She spoke to you. Maybe you can make her fall in love with you for reals. Yeah. But instead he just gave up.
2: He needed that wish. So, for things I did not like about the episode, I was so, so annoyed when the little girl, Audrey, opens the door to Sam and Dean and tells them that her parents aren't home. You're right! Why?!
1: I almost forgot about that part, but you're right. They don't teach children about strangers anymore. Sure, they're tall, gorgeous, random strangers, but... You don't tell them that your parents aren't home. And then she invites them in! Up the stairs! When
2: they say they're teddy bear doctors. That screams child molester. (laughs) It does! I mean, I understood that it worked for the episode and that had to happen, but
1: seriously... Yes, little girl, I'm a teddy bear doctor. Now let's go upstairs to your bedroom and play doctor. And play doctor. Oh my god. <laughs>
2: I don't like, want to The boys just seemed like creeps and I didn't like that at all. I don't always have a lot of specific dislikes about the episodes, but I can overall say whether I believed it or whether I enjoyed it. And this one this one was good, but like it didn't didn't feel like genuine supernatural quality to me. It
1: wasn't all the way there.
2: Yeah. they could have taken it a little farther.
1: Although they did give us some more supernatural-style angst when Dean says, you know, I don't want to lie anymore, but I don't want to talk about my time in hell, so he's still refusing to talk about it. You think about Sam, who's also saying, well, I don't want to talk about it either. Right. For his, you know, own demon issues.
2: That was kind of annoying to me, though. That was on my... Did not like list because You know that they're gonna have to Open up sometime and by Stating it so clearly that I'm not Gonna open up it's just stupid Because the next episode you know That they're gonna say something about it
1: Like in season 2 when John Told Dean that super Big secret they kept that For like 10 episodes Yeah like the whole season well you're right I mean this is episode 8 So it's almost the same Okay, questions and speculation?
2: Um, there wasn't really much. It was a standalone episode. Uh, obviously, Dean's going to have to reveal more about his time in Hell. I thought it was interesting about Sam's wish. How he wanted Lilith's head on a plate. Bloody.
1: Not a very Sam-like thing. You would expect something like, well, I want her out of the picture. Or, you know, let's get rid of her. Not, so go uh off. now let's go all John the Baptist on her and put her head on a plate. Right. It was a very specific
2: wish. And I think Sam, I mean, I think Dean, like, had that little look of what has happened to my innocent little brother. Oh knows? Left him alone for four months and he decided to go crazy. I know, he's become very vengeful. Some trivia here for you. The Chinese waiter in the restaurant was also Mr. Chang in Thomas Kincaid's Christmas Cottage, which was the Christmas movie that Jared Padalecki did that came out in November on DVD. Very funny. I was like, hmm, he looks familiar. There must be only one Chinese restaurant owner guy in Vancouver because he played two in two of Jared's (laughs) movies. Okay, so, my favorite quotes... I have two. One of mine was, um, Dean talking about their case in the women's locker room, and he's like, gotta tell you, I'm pretty disappointed. And Sam says, you wanted to save some naked women. Damn right I wanted to save some naked women. (laughs) That's one of my favorite ones. And then I also like the one where, um, Wes says, aren't you guys from the health department? And then Sam says, yeah, and florists on the side. And Dean says, plus FBI. And on Thursdays,
1: we're teddy bear doctors. That was cute. My favorite quote, I could not get it out of my head for at least a week after seeing this episode, was when that little girl, Audrey, is opening the door and she's explained to them about her, her teddy bear. And she says that all she ever wanted, like all I ever wanted, was a teddy that was big, real, and talked. But now he's sad all the time. Not ouch sad, but ouch in the head sad. He says weird stuff and smells like the bus. <laughs> I'm sorry, That was I could not get over that one.
0: This is Kristen. And this is Samantha. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Kristen and Samantha, for the great discussion. It's fun for me to listen to their thoughts, and I hope you're enjoying the discussion as much as I am. Let's move on to legends and references. There are a couple legends in this one. The first one is that of The Wishing Well, In this episode, Wes Mondale creates a wishing well by tossing a Babylonian coin depicting the chaos deity, Tiamat, into the fountain at Lucky Chin's restaurant. No one but the first wisher can remove the coin from the bottom of the fountain, which ends the granted wishes. Anyone who makes a wish at the well gets it, although it invariably turns bad in a short amount of time. In time, whole towns have been destroyed when too many people are granted their wishes. A wishing well is a term from European folklore to describe wells where it was thought that any spoken wish would be granted. The idea that a wish would be granted came from the idea that water housed deities or had been placed there as a gift from the gods, since water was a source of life and often a scarce commodity. The Germanic and Celtic peoples considered springs and wells sacred places. Sometimes the places were marked by wooden statues, possibly of the god associated with the pool. Germanic peoples were known to throw the armor and weapons of defeated enemies into bogs and other pools of water as offerings to their gods. Water was seen to have healing powers and therefore wells became popular with many people, drinking, bathing, or simply wishing over it. People believed that the guardians or dwellers of the well could grant them their wish if they paid a price. After uttering the wish, one would generally drop coins in the well. That wish would be granted by the guardian or dweller based upon how the coin would land at the bottom of the well. If the coin were to land heads up, the wish would be granted. If the coin landed heads down, the wish would not be granted. The tradition of dropping pennies in ponds and fountains stems from this. Coins would be placed there as gifts for the deity to show appreciation. In November 2006, the Fountain Money Mountain reported that tourists throw just under three million pounds per year into wishing wells. This may be left over from ancient mythology, such as Mimir's well from Nordic myths, also known as the Well of Wisdom, a well that could grant you infinite wisdom, provided you sacrifice something you held dear. Odin was asked to sacrifice his right eye, which he threw into the well, to receive not only the wisdom of seeing the future, but the understanding of why things must be. Mirmir is the Nordic god of wisdom, and his well sits at the roots of Yggdrasil, the world tree which draws its water from the well. In Babylonian mythology, Tiamat is the sea, personified as a goddess and a monstrous embodiment of primordial chaos. In the Enuma Elish, the Babylonian epic of creation, she gives birth to the first generation of gods. She later makes war upon them and is split in two by the storm god Marduk, who uses her body to form the heavens and the earth. She is known as Thalate, as variant of Thalassa, the Greek word for sea. In the Hellenistic Babylonian Barosius's first volume of Universal History, and some Acadian copyists of Enuma Elish slipped and substituted the ordinary word for C for Tiamat. So close was the association. And some references. Dean says, he's a girl drink drunk. This is a reference to a well-known sketch in the Canadian comedy show The Kids in the Hall about a man who gets drunk on stereotypically female drinks. The annoyingly cheerful waiter at the beginning of the episode is a reference to Brian from the movie Office Space, a waiter who has a very similar personality and also wears many pieces of flair. Dean says, what's this, like a Harry and the Hendersons deal? Harry and the Hendersons was a 1987 movie about a family who hits Bigfoot with their car and how he, Harry, comes to live with them. Dean says, run, Forrest, run. This is, of course, a reference to the character Forrest Gump in the movie of the same name, who at one point runs across America. Dean says, you see, with great power comes great response. And this is where Dean is quoting a line from Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. Although part of the line was cut off. In the comic Amazing Fantasy number 15, the phrase appears as a caption in the comic's last panel, not a spoken dialogue. In the 2002 movie, it is spoken by Peter Parker's Uncle Ben, just before he dies. Ted Raimi, who plays Wes in this episode, appeared in the movie Spider-Man, which was directed by his brother, Sam Raimi. And Todd says, kneel before Todd. This is a play on a line from Superman 2, spoken by Terrence Stump's character, General Zod. Come, Jor-El, kneel before Zod. The porn magazine Sam sees left behind in the store is called Backside. It's the same magazine Dean gave him as a present in Season 3, Episode 8, of Very Supernatural Christmas, Audrey also drops a copy of Busty Asian Beauties, which comes around every few episodes, apparently. The name of the lottery winner seen in the last newspaper headline is George Newman, and that's a reference to the series set director George Newman. When we see him at his house, Wes is watching Captain Blood. This is a famous 1934 swashbuckler starring Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland. When Dean starts to feel queasy, a hotel can be seen in the background. It's the Chieftain, which is known from the series Men in Trees. And finally, Anita Brown, who plays Hopeland Casey, also played a woman, Lindsay, tortured by the shapeshifter who assumes her husband's form in season one, episode six, Skin. She also had previously appeared as Gilgirl in an episode of Dark Angel alongside Jensen. Wow, there were a lot of references in this episode. As far as music, sadly... There was no music in this episode, but the song of the night tonight is waiting for you by Running Still. Check out the website at runningstillmusic.com. The song is brought to you by the Pod show PodSafe Music Network. Enjoy
3: There's not a lot more than I could say to you. I've been running around in circles searching for a point of view and All those moments that seemed slow when we met are Faster now it seems that I can still hear what she's saying and Going through and wait a minute and hang on to me you Try to get
0: And that's it for this episode. The next all new episode of Supernatural will air January 15, 2009 on the CW. Supernatural podcast is also now on Facebook. Thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural podcast. You can visit my website at supernaturalpodcast.blogspot.com or send me an email at supernaturalpodcast@gmail.com. Please note that the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and not of the producers of Supernatural or The CW. Audio clips played on this podcast are property of The CW and no infringement is intended. Some of the music heard here is from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.